0: want to see what God's going to do today? How many want to see what God's going to do today? I'm excited. So we're going to talk about demonstrating gifts today. Everybody say demonstrating gifts. All right, if you'll stand for the reading of God's word, I'd like for you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 7 through 11, wasn't last week an amazing service? Yeah, wasn't people touched and the glory of God the gifts of the Spirit and evidence here? We're believing that for right now. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Right? The gifts of the Spirit are to profit or to make for the betterment of all of us. Someone say amen to that. There's no one greater or less. There's no one. Well, you're a dirty, rotten sinner. Well, you've done everything right, so you get the gifts, and you don't know the gifts are for everybody. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit; to another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. We experienced that last week. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he, as the Holy Spirit, will. So it's as, as the Holy Spirit desires and wills. Amen? Thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, for your presence. Man, you're so much here. Wow. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for, for blessing us with your presence. And now, God, anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. God, release the gifts of the Spirit today. God, demonstrate your word to us today. God, I pray let the seed fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow, bear forth fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. 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 Hold your Bibles up in whatever form you have and let's boldly declare. Father, Father, today, today, this week, week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word word, and not a hearer only, deceiving my my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. High five somebody as you're being seated. Yeah. Amen. So how do we clump these together? we kind of been through this for a couple weeks just to kind of rehash here for a moment. Uh, we, recla- we, we clump them together. The word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits, or discernment of spirits is the intuitive gifts. These three gifts reveal. Uh, they should be on the overhead. Uh, second group, we preached about that last week, faith, healing, and miracles. Everybody say faith, healing, and miracles. Uh, these uh, demonstrate, or they do, and we're going to th- break these down here today. And then the last group we'll preach next week, prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. These are expression or speaking gifts, they say. So three reveal, three do, and three say. So remember, just as a recap, this is a refresher, and in case you were not here, uh, these gifts are God-given, right? There is no order of importance to them. There's no better. There's no less. There's no least. There's no best. They are just the gifts. That the Lord gives us as he sees fit. Someone shout amen to that. Uh, One gift was a word of wisdom. It's a divine answer or solution for a particular event. The emphasis is on word. And the word of wisdom means an expression or wisdom at a specific moment for a specific person. Two, word of knowledge. To know something specific without having learned it by natural means. Again, the emphasis is not on knowledge. It's on word. It's a word of knowledge. It is a specific fact or the way you know something. The fact that the Holy Spirit reveals something to you that you may not even realize that's for the betterment of someone else. And last night was one, last week was one of the coolest demonstrations of the preached word that I've ever experienced in my entire ministry. I preached on all three gifts. I preached about how and the word of knowledge a person may not even, it's just a thought in their mind. They may not even realize they had it. Deanna Johnson got up here to close the service out, and she says, I had these thoughts in my head today all day. You're not alone, And, and it hit me. That's a word of knowledge. We need to pray for people that are dealing with loneliness. And we had five or six people come up here, and man, God just poured out his spirit and just greatly ministered. That was God using Deanna Johnson without her even knowing it to give us a word of knowledge because God loves people and wants to give us his gifts. Can somebody say amen to that? And then we talked about discerning of spirits, which means to be aware, made aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. It is the Greek word diakresis, which literally means to see through. Like walking in a room and it has a bad smell. You can sense something's just not right. Now you remember, God gives us these gifts in spite of ourselves. We don't have to make something happen and we can't make anything happen. So the monkey's off our backs. It's the grace of God, and it's just saying, hey, God, have your way with our lives today. Is that good? Is that good or is that good? So let's get into the gifts today because I'm really excited about these. Uh, I love all the gifts, but I, boy, I really, really like these three gifts. So the first gift we're going to talk about, and each gift, well, again, like last week, will be the point. There will be three points. Is the gift of faith. Everybody say the gift of faith. That is defined as a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation. A, a, Let me say it again. A supernatural impartation of belief, not something that you're wishing and hoping for. You're not rolling the dice at the craps table hoping 7 and 11 come up. Oh, I got snake eyes. Uh-uh. It is an impartation of total belief and confidence for a specific situation. For example... Have you ever gotten a phone call from someone and they were totally messed up and really what they said to you should have alarmed you and you almost had a cavalier kind of just no big deal kind of attitude to it? Has it ever happened to anybody before? Where it just, you could just, uh, so for example, my sister called me one day and my brother-in-law had been to the doctor and they scanned him and they thought in the scan they saw something there. That didn't look good, and they called him up, and they said, you need to get back to the hospital now. Well, my sister is, you know, she's at wit's end. Oh, my gosh, you got to pray right now. And I remember hanging up the phone, and I was so not worried about it. I almost, I was so dismissive about the phone call, I thought, eh, no big deal, it'll be all right. And I just kind of went on about my day. I said a quick prayer and went on. It wasn't that I didn't care about my brother-in-law because I very much do. It was that something and the Holy Spirit came on me, and that gift of faith ushered into me to such a degree that I couldn't worry about it. Here's another way that works. A lady called the pastor of the church, and she said, Hey, you got to get down here. My son's been in a terrible four-wheeler wreck, and the doctors are saying it doesn't look good. They're not sure he's going to make it. The pastor showed up. The mother was just kind of indifferent she's crying she starts crying and he's thinking that she's crying because her son is in this devastating place and situation in his life and uh, he says well it's gonna be all right." she's like that's not the problem she said I finally realized for the first time in my life I don't love my own son he said what are you talking about you don't love your own son of course you You're one of the best mothers I've known of course you love your son. How could you say that? She said, well, this whole thing, she said, I'm just not worried about it. I can't get worried about what the doctors are saying. And it makes me feel like I don't love my own son. He said, has it ever thought to you, didn't you get baptized with the Holy Spirit recently? Yeah. Is it ever thought to you that maybe God's given you the gift of faith right now that you just know that you know that you know my son's going to be all right? Not that you don't love him. It's God filling you with supernatural peace. Somebody shout a good amen. amen. The gift of faith is that thing where you know that you know that you know without any shadow of a doubt. That when you touch the Nile River, baby, it's going to turn to blood. It's the, when the gift of faith comes on you, it's that thing where you know that you know that you know that you know that when you stand in the Jordan River, it's going to stand at attention. It's that thing that when you stand before your Red Sea, you know that you know in the depth of your soul and your spirit that, baby, that thing's going to split. It is that thing when the gift of faith comes on you that you know that you know that you know. When you march around them Jericho walls, they're going to fall down flat. Somebody shout amen. Has anybody ever experienced that before? You didn't have to pray for no faith. You didn't have to muster it up. You didn't have to fast for 21 days. That faith just invaded you, and you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt God had control of this thing. That is the gift of faith. It is the belief for a certain thing, and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt it's going to happen. Let me tell you one of the earliest times I can remember this happening in my life. I can remember early times. But I remember God used the gift of faith through my daughter Haley to teach me. We were on vacation one time. Some of you that have been around have heard this, but many of you have not. And we're down in Panama City Beach, and we're sitting on the beach, and she's just a little girl. And she looks out seeing them dolphins, and she loves dolphins. And she said, Daddy, I want to touch one. And I'm like, you know, well, this ain't SeaWorld, honey. That's the ocean. She's well, I'll pray, and God will let me. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, will you let me touch a dolphin? Amen. I'm going to touch a dolphin. I'm going to touch a dolphin. And I, with great faith, am thinking, how am I going to explain to her why she didn't get to touch a dolphin? Well, that night, a pastor friend of ours calls us. He says, hey, we're going on the boat tomorrow. Would you like to go? Yeah, that would be fun. Let's go out on the boat. So we get out there on the boat. He says, I'm going to take you over to Shell Island. The kids can dig around for Shells. He said, there might even be some dolphins over there. So right away, things are starting to compute. You know, the dots are starting to connect for me. And so we get out there, and there's this boat where these people pay money to go out and see the dolphins. And so they feed them illegally. They're not supposed to, but they do that to draw the dolphins in so people can see the dolphins. Well, the boat's over there, but this boat, this one dolphin keeps following our boat. He won't leave us. So finally, my pastor friend, he says, hey, let's just throw the anchor down and see what happens. Well, this crazy dolphin comes up, sticks his head up on the side of the boat, and Haley reaches out and touches the dolphin. And she's going, I touched I told you. I told you. I told you. You know, this kind of thing. So my friend goes, well, get in the water. Let's see what happens. So I said, okay. So I got in the water. Haley got in the water. We got down there, and that big old full-grown dolphin came right here. I mean, like his eyeball was right there. We were like looking eyeball to eyeball. I was like, that's a, you know, and he swims by and both Haley and I are touching him as he goes by. And it was like, whoa, you know, and it was so cool. But what I think what happened was, I think God put the gift of faith on her at that early age. And she just knew that she knew she was going to get to touch the dolphin. And she did. And it taught me a great lesson. Well, it didn't stop there. A few years later, we went on vacation again and we went up north and we went up through Maine and all that. Well, we decided to stop the little town north of Boston called Gloucester. It's where the, the, the story, the perfect uh, storm movie with George Clooney was filmed out of that town. It's a true story. Anyways, long story short, uh, it's a little bit south of Kennebuckport, but uh, we get on a whale-watching tour, and, and Haley goes, You think we're going to see some, some whales? I said, well, it's a whale-watching tour. She said, Well, let's just pray. Father, let us see what. Matter of fact, let us see more whales than they ever see at one time. In Jesus' name, amen. She said, We're going to see some whales in a kind thing. Okay, so we get out there. It's a beautiful, sunny day. We get out on the boat, and we get about two miles out, and all of a sudden, the fog, you can't hardly see your hand in front of your face. We go out 26 miles out in the Atlantic Ocean. The guy on the the marine biologist, he's going, I don't know. You know, this is going to be very hard to find them today. We got to almost stumble on them. I mean, he's like throwing water on the fire, right? It's doom, gloom, and despair. And all of a sudden, he goes, wait, wait, I see one. I see one oh I see another one. I see another one and another one. Oh my goodness, I can't believe you never see this many whales at one time. You only ever see one humpback whale at one time. There are 11. I hope you can appreciate how rare it's incredibly rare it is to see 11 humpback whales at one time. We're the only boat out there. these whales, are coming up literally next to the boat. I mean, they're right there. I mean, they're not 20 feet away. They're almost brushing against the boat. We're sitting there. We watched them things for 30 to 40 minutes. For so long, we got bored looking at the whales. And the guy goes, I have never seen this many whales at one time, this marine biologist, you know, and Haley's looking at me smiling. So we're on our way back to town, and the lady who works on the boat, she looks at me or she comes by and I says, excuse me, ma'am, I got a question for you. I said, how long have you been doing this? She said, oh, I've been on the boat five years. I said, I've got a question for you. How many times have you seen this many whales? She stops. She says, you know what? Come to think of it, never. I have never in five years working on this boat seen that many whales at one time. That was exactly what Haley prayed. And I thought, okay, Haley, we need to get this, ramp this thing up. You know, God get them out of wheelchairs. Pay the house off. Come on, we need to amp these. For, forget the animals. We need something real here, right? That is, I believe, the gift of faith. Where when you pray it, you're not worried about it anymore, but you just know it's going to happen. Someone say a good amen. Secondly, is the working of miracles. Now, this is defined as divine intervention that alters our natural circumstances. But in the Greek... It boils down literally to the focus of power. That's what a miracle is. Everybody say the focus of power. It's kind of like this uh, magnifying glass here. Now, in the hands of a, 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 a devious little boy, you can set leaves on fire, paper, bugs. You know, you get the sun beaming through there. Why? Because it takes the sunlight and it focus, magnifies that into a small little beam and it can set leaves and paper and that kind of stuff on fire it helps you to focus in on what you're looking at the focus of power literally is that you take the garden hose and when it just comes out it just comes out at a normal rate but you take that same water and you put it in a laser uh, uh, rock cutting water jet and it'll literally cut through granite rock it'll cut through steel it'll cut through anything why The water is the same. It's the focus of power that's different. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? That's what a miracle is. It is the power of God is all around us, but it is the focus of the power of God on a person or a situation. And I want to tell you the Bible is full of miracles. We know that. Everyone in here has received miracles. I believe that. Maybe you were at the, five, at, the, at the red light five seconds too long, and you were frustrated, but you didn't know God spared you from an accident ten minutes down the road. I believe every one of us has experienced a miracle. And I'm going to talk primarily about physical miracles, but there are different miracles. So, for example, the year was 1787, and the leaders of the newly found United States of America were in what was called the Constitutional Convention. General Washington's men were frustrated, they were aggravated, they were tired of the agitation, they were tired of all of the frustrations, all the bickering going on, and they said, we need to take a break. We need to get out of here, or we're quitting this thing altogether. They said, let's take a couple of days adjournment. Another person said, I'll tell you what, even better than that, why don't we go to church and pray? They all agreed on that, and they went to the Reverend William Rogers Church called the First Calvinist Church, which we would know as the First Baptist Church today. And he prayed for them, and what he prayed was actually published in a newspaper. It was a very quick little prayer. He said, We fervently recommend to thy fatherly notice that august body assembled in this city who compose our federal convention will, is plea, will it please thee, O thou eternal I am, to favor them from day to day with thy immediate preface. Now, how many of you would like for our leaders in Washington to have prayers like this again today? They prayed this. They all worshiped for a couple of days. They took a couple days break. And then they came back together. But something changed. When they reconvened, the records of history indicate that there was a real change in the tone of the whole convention. Suddenly, they were agreeing on things they were formally yelling and screaming over and bickering over. They came together with the beautiful document that we now have called the Constitution of the United States. When they completed the Constitutional Convention, many of the delegates passed uh, or pointed to what happened as an intervention of God. As a matter of fact, they said, We saw miraculous things. Listen, our forefathers said, This document is a miracle. It's exactly what they said. I believe that's why Satan fights that document so hard today. I believe that's why Satan uses evil people to try to dismantle because it was a God-given miracle. Everybody say amen. Amen. So that is a miracle. So here's the question. Was it a miracle? I mean, when somebody said, hey, we need to read, just everybody, just cool their heads prevail. Everybody just chill out. Let's take three days off and come back together. Was that a word of wisdom? Was it a word of knowledge when somebody said, hey, while we're out, why don't we go to church and pray? (laughs) Was it a word of prophecy when the pastor prayed this? Was it really prophetic? The answer to all these questions could be yes. Listen to me. Hear this. We tend to think the gifts of the Spirit are this big, grandiose thing that we see a mile away. But I want to tell you, I believe the gifts of the Spirit happen way more frequently than we even notice. We just think, oh, what a coincidence. Was it really? Was it a gift of the Spirit? Was it God leading? Do you see this? So we want to look at this and realize that God does some awesome things. Thirdly, there is the gifts of healing. Man, I love this. That's supernatural endowments of divine health. Now, there is a wide, wide, wide expanse of healings here. Right, so you go to a counselor, and that counselor helps bring emotional healing. That's a gift of healing. And let me just tell you, there's nothing wrong with going to a counselor, a licensed counselor. I don't know why Christians have this big thing about it. From time to time, Holly and I go. I, I have to go and just and just you know help somebody from an outside source who's a Christian, spirit-filled believer. Say, you know, you pastor, you've lost your mind. You need to go back and fast and pray. Okay. And Holly said, I've been trying to tell him that. I said, don't give her any more fuel for the fire. She doesn't need any more, right? There's nothing wrong with that. They help bring emotional healing. Listen, we all need that. How about this? And the laying on of hands. That's a biblical doctrine and what we're going to do at this altar call here in a little bit. We're going to lay hands, believing God, call for the elders of the church. We're going to lay hands, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord and believe that the prayer faith will save the sick. Right? So that could be physical healing. In deliverance, you cast demons out of someone. That's healing. Amen. They've been healed, delivered from a demon. How about this? A doctor working on someone, and as they're operating... They're praying, saying, God, help steady my hand. God, help me to bring healing and do what I need to do to perfection to help this person. That couples the the, the doctor's knowledge. That couples faith. That couples action. That couples everything. Those are ways that God can use that. And I believe there are the five D's of healing. Everybody say the five D's of healing. So the first D is divine. Just leave this up for a moment. Divine. That's the miracle from God. That's where the doctor scratches his head and said, well, you know what? Uh, Here's your scan, you know, a month ago, and you can clearly see the tumor and the cancer. Here it is now, and it ain't nothing there. And the doctor says, I don't know how that happened. Well, I do. It's a gift of healing. It's a gift of miracle. It's that focus of power in your life. And let me tell you, God still heals. Let me tell you something. God still heals. People try to tell you, there are those out there that say, man, God quit healing in the Bible days. Oh, no. I can personal testimony. God is still a healing God. Amen. And nobody's ever going to talk me out of it. Uh, Not only is there divine healing, what we are praying and believing God for, there's also doctors. Right? God gave those doctors the wisdom, the knowledge, the ability to apply the right medicines and your body responds. So while I'm believing for God to heal my thyroid, which they say is dead, every February I go to a special doctor, an endocrinologist, they do a a panel of blood tests, my sister who's an RN doesn't even know what half of it is, but as long as she's happy, I'm happy, and they give me this little pill and they say, well, you take this little pill every morning and you'll be good, it's going to replace what your thyroid would normally do. That's called healing through a doctor. That's what I do every morning. You know, take the pill, drink a glass of water, don't eat anything or drink coffee or anything for 30, 35 minutes. Go on with your life, we'll see you next February. That's how that works. Also, there is diet, eating the right foods. Amen. If you just pour sugar and junk in your body all the time, you're gonna have to expect it's not gonna operate correctly, right? We have to eat the right foods. That's a form of healing when you start eating right discipline. How about that? Exercise. Get plenty of rest. Don't overdo it. Those kind of things. I know I sound like a school teacher now, but it really is God-given wisdom for healing in our bodies. Death. Pastor, you've lost your mind. No, that's ultimate healing. That's why 1 Corinthians 12, 9. Watch this. The Bible calls it the gifts of healing. It's plural. It's the one gift that doesn't say gift of. It says gifts. Because there are different ways God will choose to heal you. God may strike you with the power of God right here today and bring divine healing to you. He also may give you a plan to change the way you do things in your day-to-day life and you walk away healed. Someone say amen. Dr. Charlene McCullough had four stage 4 cancer. They told her, go home, get your house in order, you're going to die. She went and prayed and God said, if you'll start eating these types of foods and doing this kind of thing... I'll heal you, and she did. Never had chemo, never had nothing. She changed the way she ate. Ate fruits, vegetables, those kind of things. Cut all sugar out of her diet. Cancer disappeared. She's in her 80s today, 20-something years, totally healed. Looks fantastic. Says there ain't a trace of cancer in my body. Sometimes God will divinely touch you. Sometimes God will give you a plan. Is that all right? Is that, is that good preaching? Amen. And, and let me just say this. Let me just say this. Death is not the worst thing in the world that can happen to a Christian. I, don't, I still don't understand. If Uncle Fred is 89 years old and he dies, he's a born-again Christian and goes to be with the Lord, there are people that are upset. Why didn't God heal him? I'm thinking, he was 90. Did you think he's going to live to be 200? I'm not trying to belittle. I'm just trying to say, really? Really? Is there something worse that could happen than Uncle Fred at 90 going to be with Jesus? Why do we think, well, God didn't love Uncle Fred? I think he, God did love Uncle Fred. He took him home. Someone, is that okay? Is that okay to preach? Someone say amen. I hope. Amen. <laughs> I've experienced a divine focused miracle from God. You've heard the story, so I won't belabor it. But I remember when I dove for a softball and these fingers went here, cracked like a tree off a tree limb. Everybody heard it in the stands, in the field, everywhere. And when I rolled over, the power of God hit me and I felt something warm like oil starting the inside of my shoulder. And it went all the way down my arm. My arm was shaking. I was passionately, violently speaking in tongues. And when I got up from there... I have never had a problem with this wrist since. I'm um, 25 years later, God healed a completely severed, broke wrist on a ball field before I ever got up. Don't tell me there's not miracles. God's a healing God. Someone say amen. So let me ask this question then. Can Can people be healed in the midst of chaos? So Todd Bentley was... Very wacky. Something just was off with the guy. But there were some serious meetings going on down in Florida several years ago, about 10 years ago. But the guy kept saying, I'm getting all my information from angels. I get my main information from an angel named Emma. I mean, he was just, he was out there in some of his stuff, and it was sketchy, and it was weird. But I personally know people that went there, and they got divine miracles and healing at those meetings. Now, I don't understand why. I don't understand what's going on. I just know people legitimately got healed in the process. So when God heals someone, very clo- look, at, look at this very closely. When God heals someone in our church, all it means is that God loves sick people and he wants to heal them. God is not validating the person who is laying on of the hands. God is not even validating the church or the pastor or anybody else. What God is validating is is that the gifts of the Spirit are real and he loves to heal sick people. Is that all right? The gifts of the Spirit are real and God loves to heal sick people. A person's healing is between them and God, not the person laying on hands or the church. So years ago, a priest was having affairs with half the women in the town. He was in the drunken stupors all the time. And the people of the town got together and they said, Hey, does this priest invalidate mass? Because the same guy's going up there and he's leading us in mass every Sunday. What's the deal here? And so they came up in Latin with this slogan, In operata operatum, which means a broken priest cannot invalidate the mass. Listen. Sometimes God works through pastors and people who simply are not living right, and that's just the way it is. That does not validate them. All it validates is God loves that sick person and wants to heal them. Just because you lay hands on someone and they get healed, God is not saying you're a super Christian and you're super mature. All he's saying is, I love that sick person. I want to heal them. Is that all right? That's the balance to this thing. We shouldn't feel a need to oppose things either. Well, I I knew people. Well, I'll never step in Todd Bentley's meeting. He's wacky. He's out there. And I'm thinking, well, that may be so. But there are people with documented miracles. So how do you explain that? See, point number four is this. How do you understand the gifts? Let me just share the balance of this here before we pray. I don't understand the gifts. Sometimes I pray for people and man, I feel the passion and I, got the, 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 I feel the faith and I pray with fervency and with as much passion and fire and Bible as I can pray with and nothing happens. And then there are other times where you pray with as little faith, less than a mustard seed. You're really just praying the words, saying the words. You're praying more out of obligation than anything and God heals them. I prayed for a man. I went to visit him one time. The older man. He said, man, I'm in such pain. And I started to go, and he said, Pastor, will you pray for me? I said, well, yeah, I'll pray for you. And I'm telling you, it was the most heartless. It was the most just non-faith-filled, out of obligation, because he asked me to type prayer. Have you ever been there before? Raise your hand. Just be honest. You just said well, he asked me to pray, so I'll pray. And I prayed, and I went home. I didn't feel an ounce of faith. I didn't feel nothing. He called me the next morning. He said, Pastor. He said, man, ever since you prayed for me, the pain left, and I've been feeling great. Thank you. And I went, you did? <laughs> well, all right. I guess God works beyond our feelings. Last Monday night at our small group, Tommy and Cherokee's little girl was sick. Six days with a fever. Pneumonia. Not feeling one. Not sleeping. They're exhausted. She's exhausted, little baby, just the whole nine yards. We, we prayed. I wouldn't say that I felt some great lightning bolts flow through me. We just prayed. Believe, God, touched this little girl. She needs healing. The next morning, Cherokee texted me. She said, hey, I want to say thank you. She said, y'all, when we prayed, she said she slept 12 hours last night and no fever this morning. Yeah. Why? Because God loves sick people. He wants to heal them. Is that all right? The point is God can do as he wishes, and he gives you the gifts as he wishes. Just try them. What's it hurt to pray for somebody? What have you lost, or what have they lost? And I know you may say, well, what if they don't get healed? Okay, but did we give God a chance? Let's just pray and agree. Amen? Allow God the opportunity to work through you for the benefit of something else. It doesn't have to be this big announced thing. You don't have to be Charlton Heston. Thus saith the Lord. I mean, there are moments that happens, but it doesn't have to be that way. Just quietly pray and put it in the hands of God. I'll never forget my mentor, Mark Rutland, telling us. He said, man, he said, I went, when I first got into Pentecost and got filled with the Spirit, he said, I went to this meeting with this well-known healing minister, and he said, man, they out and outright faked the healing. And he said, it." It just boiled my blood, suckered the congregation. And he said, oh, it made me so mad. He said, I thought this ain't real. And he said, I went to preach somewhere. And he said, they had this little special needs boy. He wore a cowboy hat and a little, little Fake toy guns, and he was he was he was uh, 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 very special needs, and he said I've been there praying, but you know for the service. And all of a sudden he said I'm praying and I'm praying, and so all of a sudden he'd pull them guns out and go bang bang, doctor, when I got you. And he doctor running doing like this, he's trying to almost having a heart attack. Jimmy, don't do that. Well, he'd get calmed down, looking around, you know. And he said about the time he'd get back to praying, you know, bang bang, doctor, when I got you. He's like, oh. You know, he said, don't do that, Jimmy. So finally he said, Jimmy... If you're going to come over here, I want you to pray. He had a terrible planter's wart, and it was so painful his foot was. He said, I could barely even put any pressure. I had to almost preach like this. I couldn't walk. I was supposed to preach that night. He said, it was excruciating. I couldn't get it out of my mind. He said, Jimmy, would you pray for me? He said, Jimmy, he holstered his guns. and said, oh, God, touch Dr. Watlin and heal him. Amen. Bang, bang, I got you, Dr. Watlin. Yeah. And Dr. Watlin doing like this. Jimmy, get out of here kind of a thing. He said, the more I prayed, he said, I noticed, hmm, no pain in my foot. He said, I got up there to preach that night. He said, I could put all the weight on it. He said, God healed that planter's wart from a special needs boy that was wanting to shoot him with toy guns. Now, you explain that one. It was that that boy was so empty of himself that God could actually work through him. You see, sometimes you feel it, and sometimes you don't. As I said, I prayed for people, and I felt it. I felt the Spirit of God, and nothing happened. I prayed for other people, like I said, say the words out of obligation, and God healed them. God doesn't, listen, God does not base himself off the mouth of his believers. Our faith cannot be faith in itself. That's idolatry. Our faith must be in God alone and the fact that God wants to heal people. For God to speak through you, listen, you have to speak. It's the same for all the gifts. A word of knowledge inside of you is only half a gift. It's only a gift if you speak it out. In the same way, the gifts of healing are only inside of you halfway until you lay hands or you speak or you pray for someone. That's what makes them the full gift. Does everybody understand? So while evangelizing, this pastor was preaching. There's a playground in the back of the church. A little five-year-old boy kept coming up. Daddy, I want to go play on the playground. He's trying to pray for people. In this one particular case, he's praying for this little girl who's legally blind. She got Coke bottle glasses, can't see hardly anything. Legally blind. And he, he said, not now, I'm praying. Well, the little boy, five seconds later, Daddy, Daddy, I want to go on the playground. Finally, he said, trying to engage his little boy, he said, I'll tell you what, he said, you pray for her, and then we'll let you go on the play- playground. He goes, Little boy, <sighs> fine. Father laid his hands on the little girl. He said, Touch her, God, heal her eyes so I can go to play on the playground. Amen. And boy, the daddy shot oh, down, man, I get out of this. I'm going to kill you. So about that time, that girl took her glasses off and said, Oh my God, I can see. Explain that one to me. I don't understand the gifts. I don't understand why sometimes it's a yay and sometimes it's not. I, I don't know how, why it works sometimes and sometimes it don't, but I do know it works. A pastor saw a lady crying vehemently at the altar, and as he went over, he felt the Lord say, go tell, go say, hey, Gina, the Lord loves you. He had never met her before. He went, he thought, man, this is weird. What if her name's not Gina? Gina. He said, okay. So he went and laid his hand on his shoulders. He says, Gina, look up at me. The Lord loves you. The girl kind of jumped. She said, what did you say? He said, Gina, the Lord loves you. She said, how do you know my name? We don't know each other. He said, well, the Lord told me. And she cried profusely. She said, I've been away from God for years. My husband's away from God. She said, I have no idea why I came to church today. And I was just praying, God, do you even still know my name? God didn't do that for the pastor. God did it because he loved that genome. Look, what we're going to pray for now is not so there can be some super Christian. We're just praying that God touch his people. Because God loves sick people. He loves all people. The gifts should be offered. Never force them on anyone. Again, there are times when you operate out of obedience and God will work through both. Tommy Tyson said it this way, God will not give you the next portion until you have spent what you have. I'm almost done. A preacher got on the airplane. He got upgraded from coach to first class. He was tired. He'd been preaching. He just wanted to just relax. On comes this guy, sits down. He's cursing like a sailor sucking down martinis before they ever taxi out he's just going nuts bending his ear and the preacher's thinking oh this is the last thing I want on this flight home he looks at the guy the, the guy looks at the preacher and he says man he said listen man he said I'm not normally like this he said I'm under so much stress he said I'm a salesman I was just on a sales trip. I didn't make one sale my job is hanging on by a thread and he said, and last night my daughter calls me and tells me she went to a Protestant church with a friend and got born again. He said, I don't even know what that means. Do you know what that means? The preacher's thinking, I just want to relax. He said, I'm just kind of zoning the guy out. And he's like, okay, God, I see you set me up here. Yes, I know what being born again means. And he began and to minister to the guy and so forth. I believe that God is here right now to do miracles.